There is no doubt that the business sector wields plenty of power. Power that can shape the world and, if applied with a conscience, positively impact all spheres of civilization. In Conscious Conversations, I, Carmen Murray, chat with a fascinating array of industry leaders and pioneers to explore how doing business with a greater good in mind can lead to better returns and a better South Africa for all. Join me on my voyage of discovery and together we'll unearth the value, nobility, prosperity and opportunity that is part and parcel of ethical capitalism. Hey, hey, a warm welcome to the Carmen Murray Show. Hope you are doing fabulous and enjoying this few minutes that you have with me. Well, I'm going to try and keep it a few minutes. Sometimes I can go on to a tangent and talk and talk and talk and talk. So I'm going to try and keep this short. I am going to share with you a little bit of information um, regarding a recent study that we did. Is this unveiling of a cultural movement, the pursuit of wisdom. People want wisdom. They don't want information. And I am going to share a little bit of insight with you um, just so that you can be more conscious of, of this movement that is happening and to see how you can use this insight within your organizations, perhaps to create a healthier culture, to look at having that understanding of how interconnected everything is, as within, so without, as without. So within, as above, so below, where however you want to say it, everything has a cause and effect and everything is interconnected. And if we are looking at this behavioral pattern and, and things happening, and if we just need to look at our circle of friends, our communities, and we just need to pay attention to our own households and we will already see what that pulse and rhythm is starting to look like. But if we look at the collective, we can also start seeing that there is this massive shift that's happening where people are so anxious. And I don't think that we understand the length and breadth of the impact of depression and anxiety and what this unveiling of this new cultural movement, Pursuit of Wisdom, is creating and how this will impact businesses in the future. People are waking up and we cannot deny it. What we can do is really be conscious and say, okay, right, if this is happening, how is this happening within my organization? If this is happening within our organization, how do we start working on the internal culture before we're trying to fix the problems of um, our consumers? We also need to start looking at how we start fixing the problems within our organizations. They say if you crack an egg from the outside, um, it means death. If you crack it from the inside, it means life. So definitely everything that's happening out there is also happening within the organizations, knowingly or unknowingly. So I just want to quickly touch on the, um, you know, Johannes Gutenberg. So if we look at the Renaissance era, 1500s, you know, nobody had access to um, books at all. There was a Bible, chapters being read in the towns um, during those times where people would read out. And that would be the information that you would probably get on a weekly basis. And this is when people went to go and get their vegetables and their, their meat and, and so forth. And then 
Johannes Gutenberg was, wait a minute, what if I can take this Bible that only a few have access to and actually can democratize this information and give everybody access to it? He created the, the printing press. In that moment, a whole new um, uh, movement started because people didn't understand the length and breadth of this information and having access to it and how the knowledge and intelligence that they would have access to that would empower them as human beings. And this changed everything about information as uh, for us as a society. And nobody could really understand how how this big wave of information could potentially also become harmful in the end. So right now we suffer from what we call data obesity. We suffer from information obesity. We have so much at our fingertips that we almost have this cognitive dissonance where we, where the information is being regurgitated to us um, and repurposed, but it's starting to start to sound like everything is the same. If we look at ChatGPT, and I've done this in classrooms where I've taught people and specifically looking at specific prompts, and even if you tweak the prompts, the information that you are getting pretty much is similar. Um, yes, if you, you change your prompts, but you can only change your prompts to such a level and the information is just regurgitation it's the same old same thing and it eventually it is going to lead to a situation where everything that we are seeing out there which is already the case is going to be exactly the same thing um which brings an element also of boredom i i suppose for 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 our audiences and for the people that we are trying to target but also i don't think that there's a lot of thought being put into this um especially being very passionate about customer experiences and being very passionate about um marketing i do think that if one of us do marketing incorrectly we don't just have an impact on our own business and the consumers we have an impact on the entire industry of every single marketer. But then furthermore, we have an impact on every business and the sectors that they are within. And let me explain. If we look at this 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 whole thing of digital noise, a lot of people, if you look at the We Are Social reports, I think um, 2022, I haven't reviewed the 2023 report yet. But I mean, if you look at that, um, you will start seeing that so many people, especially in South Africa, go, I don't trust the information. Um, I have huge concerns of misinformation. I think South Africa has one of the highest stats in the world. I think it's sitting on about 30, 40%. Now, if you put on top of that, um, in South Africa, we probably have um, an online, active online community between the ages of 16 to 64 that's sitting at about um, 65, 70%. If we look at that, that specific stat and we take into consideration that out of that amount of um, audiences or the total of audiences, about 40% of them are ad blocking. They're not just ad blocking from a specific brand. They are actually opting out of advertising from many brands, all the brands advertising. So the communities that we can access is becoming limited. And that is why um, organic content is going to become so important. But now, if we are going to start relying on, on ChatGPT to 
do or create all of our content and we don't put thought and really some wisdom and nuggets within our in 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 our content we are going to find ourselves in a dilemma because we are not just impacting our specific organization or our audiences that we are trying to reach and having a negative impact there we are having an impact on the entire industry and therefore we need to start holding each other accountable for the the information that we are starting to put out there because people are going ah uh-uh, not interested and i know um you know many people have many opinions on these things but i mean i just look at my linkedin account and i just look at all the information being shared it pretty much is the same old same thing and you can immediately actually start um seeing when it's chat gpt when you look at a, a person and how they normally engage and then all of a sudden it just doesn't seem like it's it's them and you can't hear that person's tone of voice and this is the same thing in our brands like are our brands going to lose this tone of voice um and we really need to stay authentic to to who we are but i i really am digressing or maybe i'm jumping ahead um what i want to share with you was this insights that we um, derived by using netnography um So it's a qualitative research methodology where this method is used to help to understand the branches of ethnography. So this is the study of different cultures, habits, and behaviors of the internet. But like a bird on a branch observing the lions and the zebras migrating to the new promised land, this is exactly how it is with ethnography. You sit and you watch from top of a tree where all the conversations are happening. And then you start seeing, ah, here is a subcultural movement. Here's something very interesting. How do they interconnect and how do they they link? And, you know, it's only the, the tip of the iceberg because ethnography can take you two hours or it can take you 20 hours or it can take you 200 hours. But the more you dig, the deeper you go, the more information. And then it actually opens up this whole... Um, um, potential insight well, if you may, where you can get you can get so much wisdom from that well to actually find the human truths in order for you to um you know to address. But the past eight months I saw something and it was before just before Chat GPT came into the picture and then um after that is I've observed this emerging trend of wisdom seekers. Um they want a deeper understanding of um, of who am I, why am I here, what is my purpose and instead of worrying what's going on out in the world because it's become so chaotic, I'm actually going to go within and you know, if we if we look at this, this is something that businesses need to apply is foresight intelligence. What does this really mean for us? So what did we really learn from this? So meditation um, revealed an estimated 200 to 500 million people are meditating globally. Now, take into consideration these insights can be, pertain to the mind and body practices such as yoga and the traditional meditation, but it excludes other forms of meditation. So let's just take hiking as one of um, those type of meditations. You also get things like journaling or where a person would just um, sit and stare for five to ten minutes, or they go and sit under a tree, or they would go for a walk around the block. Those are also forms of meditation. It's just to escape the day-to-day reality of what is happening around around them. But with that being said, with this daily practices that people are starting to 
apply. We have seen that the highest participation in the in the the studies um, by the good body is that meditation is found among individuals between the ages of 45 and 65 predominantly. In addition, women are twice as likely to meditate as men. And in the past 10 years, meditation has increased by over 30%. Now, if we look closer at hiking and we start going, okay, right, so this is happening in traditional media and this is happening in yoga. Let's look at hiking. And this trend is growing in alignment with meditation. Hiking has reached an end all time high, um, June 2020. And the data revealed that there was a steady growth in this interest in hiking. Um, and it's the hiking popularity also surpasses like a form of meditation, which is evident in the peaks and troughs that we've reviewed in, in the data. Now, you, you're probably going to say, well, what does meditation have to do with wisdom? Well, let me, let me give you a little bit more deeper insights. If we look at meditate, meditation, it's a very deeply personal inward journey to access your inner wisdom. You know, since instead of connecting to this digital Wi-Fi, it means that you communicate with yourself or within yourself um, or your maker's Wi-Fi source or your creator, or it could be your higher self, as many would refer to it. Um but it's specifically to help you to develop your intuition. And a lot of people believe that through meditation, you know, your deepest answers come from, from that. You know, Karl Orff, a renowned German composer born in 1895, once said, Music begins inside human beings, and so must any instruction. Not at the instrument, not with the first finger, nor with the first position. Not with this or that chord. The starting point is one's own stillness, listening to oneself, the being ready for music, listening to one's own heartbeat and breathing. And this brings me to another thing to take into consideration that we are also seeing under the umbrella of meditation is where people are starting to use um, uh, the state of being is all about the breath, right? And this is evident in many studies. And when you go to see a psychologist or you go and see a psychiatrist or you're in a panic situation or get a lot of panic attacks, the first thing that you're told to do is take a deep breath and then, you know, hold your breath for four seconds or box breathing or anything like that. But the, the data further revealed that people are starting to explore um, so, some called, sub-trends called holotropic um, breathing techniques and this is a breathwork technique that can assist a person to achieve the same altered state of consciousness as a person using psychedelics which is also gaining momentum um, we are starting to see this huge uprising and people um, wanting to have guided meditations using um, psychedelics and they call it the psychedelic journey and where somebody else would hold space for you while you go on this journey and you access your subconscious mind. And many times when people go on these um, guided psychedelic um, retreats or journeys, and there's also been a huge increase um, in various retreats, not just psychedelic retreats, but it's, um, you know, retreats in terms of, um, you know, you've got your leadership retreats, and then you've got your, um, uh, your 
meditation retreats and your yoga retreats and then you've got the psychedelic retreats but you also have the darkness retreats where people or silent retreats um uh where people would um be in the dark for four days and then come out um and then share their experiences and what they've experienced now these various altered states that people are trying to achieve is trying to find their purpose and going back to remember who they are and it's accessing to know the things that don't serve them anymore but also it is a new highway of where people are starting to go hey there's more to life than this I've been shown on my journey the food that I'm eating is poisonous for my body I need to change by eating one two three and four I've been shown and I've interviewed quite a few people to try and understand that and on my um, other podcast, The In With Outsiders, um, this was one of the, the topics I explored with a, a Reiki master, a medicine woman, explaining what's happening within that culture. But I mean, people would go and say, I want to have, I am having my awakening. I am, I'm spiritually waking up to this world is in a mess. I can't control what's going on out there, but I can control my own life. The economy is changing. I don't know if I'm going to have a job. Um, AI is taking over. I need to change. Now, what a lot of businesses are not taking into consideration with this big shift and big change is people need to find new ways of, of, of living and surviving, keeping food on the table. What does this mean for products and services? Are people going to, are people going to have money to splurge on on products and services like they have before i don't think so i think that we're going to have to relook and rethink and how and really listen listen during this time to what's happening in the cyber spaces and the conversations and one thing that i've also started picking up is a lot of people are getting their information offline not online in communities and now we need to start getting back onto the ground in order for us to understand we can't just rely on what we are finding um, in our research and looking at what where the consumers mindset and behavior and cultural movements we can't just focus on on that element and when you start looking at that when people go on their psychedelic journeys and they go to these special retreats it's a by word of mouth i heard from a friend they've gone their life has changed this is where I'm going and people start going and then when they come back the stories that they shared before on their profiles and post is very different because now they go I've woken up I actually don't want to buy from an organization that's not ethical when I buy that label it just when I look at that label or I look at that brand I just feel like something is wrong within that organization I just don't trust that organization um people are are acting differently because now they are accessing their inner wisdom and they're starting to listen to their own intuitions. People are working in organizations that are extremely toxic. They are dealing with friends and family and people that are going through terrible situations um, at work. And, you know, where do they go and discuss this? Or how do you see somebody that's blossomed um over the years and all of a sudden you see you don't recognize this person anymore completely lost weight um you know hardly speak and you can see this person's in their mind the whole time and not the person that you know these are things that we're starting to see not just within households but we are seeing it in the collective we are seeing it in our communities um people are far more tense um and now there's 
the flip side of that. So now we're talking about people seeking inner wisdom and now that inner wisdom is guiding them who to buy from, why to buy from them. And is this a business that's really ethical? Is their products really serving me? Um, are they making a concerted effort to look after me and my family's well-being? And there's the other part of people that are just um, almost in this dark night of the soul, um, this cognitive dissonance, and they're going through hectic things. We see that divorces, and, and through the study, we can see how many divorces have increased. Um, but, um, there was an American study that was done where over 50% of, of people that are going um, through a divorce, one of those partners have been corporately bullied. Um, if we look at all of these stats and we start putting things together, we go, hey, hang on, we can no longer pretend that we don't play a part in this in our organizations. If we look at what's going on in the outside, in the collective, and we see that people are going, hang on, I want to go on to um, a psychedelic journey. I have just gone through a divorce. Um, I just, I'm not happy or, you know, a loved one has passed away and I'm really not coping with it. Apart from that, I go to work and everything is going um, so quick and so fast. I can't keep up. And now on top of that, we add this conundrum of, you know, where is technology going and I don't have any privacy and everything is being, um, you know, exploited. I have no way to say anything. We see the injustices that are happening. These conversations, all of them is coming down to one thing is that, we need to start looking like people are going in that inward journey. We need to start going in, onto that inward journey within our businesses by listening to what people are actually saying and why they are saying it. And I think that we sometimes don't really take into consideration how everything is interconnected. So just to bring it back, you know, from people doing meditation and going on psychedelic journeys, and the psychedelic journey is, is one for another day. But if we look at all of this together, we also need to go and look why are people med med meditating and people are meditating, to my point earlier on, is this alarming rise of panic attacks and social anxiety. So meditation is not only a spiritual practice, but also a tool used to cope with anxiety and depression. You know, it's essential to look beyond the surface. Further investigation revealed a troubling reality. Depression and anxiety are gradually increasing and reaching an all-time high in our data. We've seen this even in the post-pandemic era. Search terms such as anxiety attacks and panic attacks is what we're seeing, but a new one is arising, which is really um, growing significantly, which is social anxiety and how people are experiencing social anxiety and not really sure how to deal with this. They don't want to go outside anymore. They don't want to be around people. Um, and this is where the, the things become challenging because it will be dominating the digital landscape. Many people are seeking ways to cope with the complexities of modern life and finding themselves with limited bandwidth to handle what used to be deemed an everyday task. Our data is also further suggested that people are seeking wisdom from online and offline communities on how to deal with their anxiety. There is, um, the Economist actually revealed um, um, there is a deep prescription trend happening where people are starting to take themselves off medication. They're taking themselves off anxiety medication and they're taking themselves um, off heart medicine and all of these things that they've been feeding and going more towards a holistic approach as to how they can actually take care of um 
their health. Also changes in food. You also see this huge um, trend that goes with the wisdom seekers, which is about sugar and rem- and not having sugar, um, not having wheat and certain and start. There's also the, the, this merge of um, uh, not it, it goes hand in hand where people are starting to do social experiments and scientific experiments online to show to people what's wrong with the water and the acid in the food and and starting to prove to people this is what's in our food this is what's in our water this is what we need to do we need to start being a lot more healthier because this is actually not um, you know, helping society and also this fasting regime where people are starting to eat less and less. These things are going to have a massive, a huge, huge, huge impact on businesses. And the thing is, if it's not dealt with now, there's no blanket approach that you're going to have that you're going to throw over this. And this is everything from fine finances. I mean, once digital currencies become the new norm we've seen the conversations happening around BRICS once these things become um, expanded people are going to wake up to how the financial systems are no longer benefiting them and people are already waking up to that um, and how economies um, you know crashing and people are going to go you know I don't have money to pay my debt the system of, of um, giving me debt all the time and now I can't pay for it but I can't have a job because there's no AI or I can only earn 3,000 rand a month as opposed to earning 10,000 rand a month because um, I have to reinvent my career and who I am and, and so forth. These things are all going to have an impact across every single industry from health to um, basic insurance product and you know, finance products and services, um, what we buy at the retailers, the clothing that we wear, the shoes, the cars, um, the houses, where we buy. If we look at the wisdom seekers, the data even revealed to us this massive migration that's starting to happen. And I even saw that Carte Blanche covered it the other day of people moving out of the cities. If you're looking at the cities, they're becoming, they're smart cities, but they're becoming very rural. You're seeing a lot of strays coming into the city. The rivers are getting so, so dirty. Um, and people are all moving towards the city, but now people are going, hang on, weekends, I actually want to spend some time in nature. I want to be in a farm. If we look at the hiking trends, that's increased significantly. That has also shown to us um, that people want to be more and more in nature, um, which is another form for them to access their inner wisdom. So, you know, we, we really need to start looking at this whole bubble of wisdom seekers and, and um, a specific tribe um, like this underground movement that's happening and really paying attention to this because now if we just if we just hang on for a second and just look at social anxiety and just uh, right, digressing back to that. Sorry, I'm taking you on a roller coaster. Um, <laughs> but I mean, if we look at um, social anxiety, what is the first thing when you have social anxiety? You don't want to spend time with people outside. What is the first thing your psychiatrist or your psychologist would say to you? right? Or your friends. Take a digital detox, you know, go and find yourself and find um, a peace of mind because that anxiety of the world um, at large, reading about it all the time is just going to add to your anxiety, right? So it's trying to take less time online and spending more time offline. And this digital detox is going to impact our 
how we are connecting with our audiences in a technology saturated world. Um, you know, we're going to have to say, okay, right. Um, we have to place a significant emphasis on, on digital and mainstream media detox. Um, to avoid people going through doom scrolling because when people are in a state of anxiety, people don't make decisions that are for their well-being. And we are ne- we as organizations need to have conscious conversations on how we are transformational leaders, how we are always looking out for our consumers and protecting them rather than exploiting them. I think if we look around in the world and we see the injustices and we th- we see the things that that um that really does not sit well with us. We need to know that if we don't stand up today, we are making it worse for tomorrow. If reincarnation is real, if you don't make the right decisions today, you are going to come back to this this chaos <laughs> if reincarnation is real. If you don't believe in reincarnation, then we also need to look at if you have children, if you look at the future generations. I mean, so many times it really upsets me when people go, oh, you know what, I'm not going to be here um, when, when, you know, the shit strikes the fan. Um, so what, does that mean you just make decisions um, and you, you actually are just going to be cognitively dissonant? Not that I'm judging people because we all um, have an element of that, but are you just going to go and say, okay, right, um, hmm, you know, it's not my problem. However, you've contributed and participated. We all have a responsibility in our individual capacity, in the vote of the wallet, but also in... Um, in, in the decisions and how we help organizations and how we create healthy organizations, we, I mean, this is a robust conversation and I'm sorry for that. But the reality is, is we're not speaking about this enough. We're not saying, hey, things have got to change. But I mean, whatever is happening, happening in toxic cultures has an impact on our households. Whatever is happening in, um, in, in, in society, in our communities has an impact, you know, on, 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 on our economy and on our, the political side, everything is so big and so massively interconnected that if we just start paying attention to all of these things, things will just get a lot more better. Um, you know, I, 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 I really sound like a proper activist now. I'm sorry. <laughs> ah, but I'm not trying to be negative in any shape or form. But what I'm just trying to do is just say, can we just have a conscious conversation about the realities of what is truly happening in our world and just see what can we do to have a better backbone um, to emphasize the importance of supporting mental health Um and, you know, people are going, oh, but it's not my job to, to take care of that. But we all participated in this, this world. But at the same time, there's also a, a, a capitalist system that's not been conscious. And it's time for it to become conscious. I want to close off um, by saying that, you know, although meditation is only the starting point, um, you know, of this, what does this actually mean for business? And I think from what I've said earlier on to now is that we as organizations need to become also the birds in the tree observing societal shifts that are happening and asking ourselves how can we bring more wisdom to the table how can we communicate better how can we support better how can we start looking at our internal um, cultures more like a club, like a football club or a rugby club or a place where people can come and looking forward to going there and really 
elevating um, the dopamine and endorphins and finding ways to make things better within our organizations. But the reality is, is if machine is going to, you know, be part of our reality, how do we use this transition and make it as easy as possible um, to actually help people feel empowered and remove the, the element of fear, but bring in this whole idea of how can I, as a, as a leader, make my team feel safe and at the same time empowered with machine so that we can actually achieve more and do more to do good things. And I think when people start seeing the work that they do having a good impact on people, I think then we are hitting the nail on the head. And if we are seeing things happening from our outside world, let's bring it inside and and see how we can actually, I mean, the biggest focus room that you probably have within your organization is your own culture because it is a small component of what is going on in the outside world. Yes, there is a lot of things people are not going to share with you. But if you truly want to understand, um, you know, how people are observing life and observing things, you can really get a good, uh, a good dipstick approach in order to, to um, expand your research studies. Because this is the challenge, is that we have started to innovate the wrong problems. This is why we are sitting in the mess that we're sitting in. We are not necessarily innovating around all of the right problems. And the only way that we are going to understand that is by understanding the research and the data and understanding um, the evolution of, our, of, of, of the collective, but also the evolution that's happening within organizations and find out how interconnected they are and, and merge those insights to help organizations to create better products and services that really is what people are searching for. And by doing that, this can open up so much wealth and opportunities for organizations. And I do believe that it exists. And I really believe that there is so much hope and joy to be found in finding those human truths that we can actually do amazing things in organizations because of the the wealth of power that sits within it. If it, that power is used correctly, it can change things. It can push the human race forward. And pushing the human race forward, I think we really need to assess what does that mean. Does that mean we're just looking at the wealthy or are we looking at how the human race race can be pushed forward for everybody? Those that only earn 300 rand a month, those that um, that would never have the opportunities that we that we currently have. If somebody's left behind, there's a problem. We can no longer just turn a blind eye and say, oh, it doesn't matter. It does matter. And it's starting to matter for a lot of people. So if it matters for a lot of people, how can we co-create and do something together with people as they are evolving and we are evolving? How can we find that middle ground? So I hope this helped you. Um, this is only the beginning. And I, I mean, every day we see something new, but pay attention to the behaviors out there and if you have any questions please do reach out but i wish you a wonderful week and chat to you soon have a good one bye you've been listening to another production from solid gold podcasts